to the Huffing Spirit Podcast, where we take you from the sacred to the profane, from the serious to the silly, from the outer to the inner, and from the guru back to you. Join your playful podcast guides, Alex Hindley and Natalie Dick, as they bring you back to a grounded and more authentic approach to spirituality. We've been conditioned to deny aspects of ourselves, which really gets us into this reductive fallacy, which is us being less than who we are. Welcome back to the Huffing Spirit Podcast. We have an incredible guest um, that I'm going to let Alex introduce today um, because he's going to really do him a lot more justice and because you guys have so much history and I'm going to stop talking and let you take the stage, Alex. We're just in the beginning intro part of our history book that we're writing together. So <laughs> today we've got the fucking intergalactic wizard himself, Chris Powell, innovator, collaborator, continuous learner who has spent his adult life supporting individuals and organizations to elevate their awareness, experience, and contributions in this 3D realm. He's on loan to us from a higher dimension. He's my spiritual big brother. He's one of the most impactful people in my life. And of all the people that I've ever met in all of my walks, he is truly one who makes space to co-create and play. It's amazing to have him. Is that me? <laughs> is that my turn to talk? <laughs> Clearly, you're talking about my higher self. I love your humanity and your divinity, and I love your assholeness. Oh, good. I get to be fully integrated here. This is yeah, awesome. you, get, you get to bring the dark Chris, dark aspects of Chris to this podcast. Bring it. Oh, got it. Not too often am I invited to do so, so I'm excited to share. We're excited mm. to have you, man. I mean, wow, yeah, we're super excited to jam. I know we've had a video call once before, and I've heard so much about you, Chris, and I'm so excited to dive into um, – your work and what you've been doing on planet earth and but first can you do you want to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who chris powell is oh wow well chris powell in this uh iteration and version of me it's uh here in the physical form is um see how the best way to describe hmm. well i would do the long story i was Born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee, large family. Came from a large family. I'm number seven of eight kids. Oh, wow. So my um, connection to understanding and observing human behavior, I had a petri dish of nine other humans to look and observe on the regular for almost 18 years. So I think I could have gotten a PhD in human observation. Just <laughs> check it out, my. My own family. family. (laughs) And that's just the immediate. Let's not get into the cousins and the aunts and all of that stuff. But uh, no, I, you know, as Alex said, I've been this, this, and I I describe myself as a kid because I have the curiosity of a kid of just being curious my entire life about things like why are things the way they are and exploring and learning what I can about them. Um, What I will tell you, it's been fascinating is that I know less today than I did yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I had to get comfortable with that because, you know, growing up, it's all about attainment, attainment, go, 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 that, hey, there's a certain point where you've got it. Well, what I've learned about learning, you never got it. 
it's like this ongoing thing. And if you're not comfortable with it, it could create a whole bunch of resistance and contrast and challenge. Uh, and so that's been kind of my journey through a whole lot of things, through school, through work, through relationships, through running a business, to being friends, you know, all of that stuff. It's, uh, it's been an interesting journey, to say the least. And I don't think a lot of people would admit that out loud, that I know less today than I did yesterday. Bruh, bruh. And I got one of those folks that, you know, when they used to measure IQ, you know, IQ thing, I was like, I got punt drunk that I had a high IQ only to find out, hmm, it doesn't necessarily help you navigate life. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, hmm, good to have, but not necessarily all that you need. There's hope for me. Well. <laughs> and I, I love I love what you said because it's it's true. It's like the the more you know, the less you know. Mm-hmm. The deeper you dive into like all these mysteries of life, you're just like, damn, I know nothing. That part. Yeah. And we've got the beauty of web telescope letting us know that what we thought we knew isn't what we knew. And uh, that the universe is expanding at a faster rate than we ever imagined. So, of course, <laughs> there's, there's always more. You know, as above, as below, you can go as out as far as you want to go or as deep as you want to go and still not get it. Well, I, I think it. that's the thing, too. Like, as you expand your consciousness, right, you're kind of, like, increasing these facets of the diamond. And the more facets of the diamond you get, the more contrasting opinions you're holding at once, the less likely you are to be like, I definitively know this. Because you're holding so many different perspectives. They are, they're all somewhat truth. True. And Natalie, to that point right there, words that I try to avoid in my languaging of my life and relationship to life, always, never, and just. Can you repeat that one more time? Always, never, and just. Because it's never always, it's never, never, (laughs) and it's never just. To your point about the dimensions and the uh, Alex, as you said, the, the angles that you look, it changes the perspective. So it's never always just or always, you know. Mm-hmm. How, how did but, you come to that realization? Trial and error, living life, and having to eat my own words. Like, oh, I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then spirit kicks you in the balls and brings it to your door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, oh. I mean, now you know from. Oh my God, you know. Yeah, from exploring uh, psychedelics to uh, any of the other stuff. Like, oh, I would never do that. Please. Hashtag done it so many times. I think I could probably be a shaman. I kind of think you are. We kind of think you are a shaman, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny because Alex and I are, are really obsessed on this podcast. We're really focusing this podcast on the masters in disguise. Oh, that people walk in the walk in life who, you know, maybe don't look like the, you know, the shaman or the spiritual um, templated vision of what we think the spiritual mm-hmm. guru looks like. They're walking the walk in this life, but they're, they're tucked away in these, um, not tucked, not that you're hidden, but, mm-hmm. you know, to have a chat with you 
and to I, I'm, I'm still getting to know you and what you do, but the way Alex describes you, it's like you have this, um, you have so much inner richness that people have not found out about yet. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, like having Chris in my phone for me feels like, like if you knew like a celebrity or something like that. And, and when him and I met in a psychedelic journey, like eight years ago or something, we just, we clicked instantly. And, and um, Chris has been instrumental on my path for the last eight, nine years. And it's just, he's somebody that, that holds space for you, but also challenges you in the best way. And he's somebody that like, I can be totally real with. And the other week I told him about something super petty I did between one of our friends. And he's like, you're fucking petty as hell. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Calling it out. <laughs> Natalie, Natalie, when I call you out for petty, it's petty. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready for the calling out. <laughs> I, had a, I, went, I went out to eat with our, one of our mutual friends and they, they tried to lecture me on eating carbs. It's like, oh, you got a sandwich, you got cornbread, you got this. That's kind of a lot of carbs. And I was like, the fuck are you like, do you know how I work out? And then like I told Chris the next day, I went for a run with Jackson in the stroller and I'm pushing the stroller like three miles up and down hills and stuff on the path. And then I took like a sweaty selfie with Jackson with like a video. I was like, hey, can I, can I eat carbs now, coach? And he's like, you are so fucking bad. <laughs> well, and, and in that moment, which was so rich for me, which just reaffirmed why we're friends, right? Uh, because like, what's the benefit of calling somebody of a friend if you can't go the full range on them? Like, hey, celebrating them, honoring them, congratulating them, and also calling them pet. That's right. You know, and still be friends after you call them pet. <laughs> and I, I, I thought it was hilarious. I laughed my ass off because he's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what happens is we've been conditioned to deny aspects of ourselves, which really gets us into this reductive fallacy, which is us being less than who we are. And I'm an asshole someday a raging one on some days and other days I'm this loving teddy bear kind of dude. So, you know, I'm like, beat all of you. Embrace the sacred assholenesses. <laughs> that part. <laughs> we go from the sacred to the profane on this podcast. So mm-hmm. embrace well, it. I love it. Yeah. Well, the good thing in embracing the sacred asshole, I keep it trim and everything's great. <laughs> in, case, in case spirit wants to get up in there i got it all cleaned up for <laughs> so so chris and i fuck with spirit and spirit fucks with us I love it. oh my god oh my god uh in this very moment <laughs> spirit has got me and the ice grip on some stuff but it's all good we got you yeah we got mm. this podcast has you so we're we're um, we're holding oh. all we're holding all of you here. I love oh. it. Well, you know that's so. And one, thank you. I'm grateful for that because you know, given all of the internal and external factors that are hitting us on any given day, the fact that there's a community or individuals who can hold space for us, in addition to navigating and dealing with their own shit. This is a this is a gift that um, you know I don't have enough words to say thank you um, mm-hmm. for is uh, ooh the energy that's out there ooh it's 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 interesting I mean you know from the aliens all of a sudden showing up which we always knew they were here yeah to 
wars and economy and social justice, you, you name it. Tell me something that's not going through some transformation right now. The financial breakdown, like the shadows of the world are emerging and breaking mm-hmm. down. But part of that, you know, Natalie, to the point on the shadows of breaking down, these were constructed uh-huh. and sustained for so freaking long. And I have to ask myself, I ask myself, why? And the why gets back to more shadow. Fear, control, mm-hmm. scarcity, mindset. I mean, all of these things, you know? Um, so anyway. Uh, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit and just give our audience a little bit more context? Yeah. Um, so if you think about, I'll go back. I was a kid in the 80s when Reagan was president and the whole trickle-down theory. <laughs> and theory, yeah. Right. Trickle down theory. And, you know, I didn't grow up in a wealthy family. Uh, my mom was a uh, uh, educator and administrator in the school system. My father worked for the Postal Service. And there were eight kids. So, you know, and fortunately, all of us went to college and all that great stuff. Yeah, 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 great. But at the same time, when that trickled down, I was like, and I used to ask my mom and my dad, I said, where's the trickle? And when's it coming down? And what's when's, it look when's, like? When's my trickle? Getting a little tickle from this trickle by now. And so this whole idea of giving this fallacy of false hope, right? Mm. I think got further solidified in the '80s with that whole trickle down. And here we are, 40 years later, and the gap in terms of social economic well-being is greater than it ever has been. So when are they going to debunk this whole trickle-down theory? And I heard it the other day. And I'm like, why are you still trying to hold on to that, that which has been proven false over and over again? And is it just to give people a, a false sense of hope? And why would you want to do that other than for control or for fear that something is going to be um, taken away from you? I think that's where we are on a whole bunch of things in this world in our society is that those who quote unquote have are fearful that somebody's gonna come and take. And those who don't have fear that they won't ever have the opportunity to have. And even if those who have shared, those who don't have are in the mindset it's not enough. And so you got this constant like I'm I'm missing we're missing each other. Mm. And I, I think it's creates a bigger and bigger chasm if we were to look in things in terms of polar, you know, polar, uh, polarizing uh, activities. I've had people that, that tell me they still believe in trickle down, but yet they also acknowledge the fact that the, the wage gap is wider than it's ever been. And you go, well, I don't, those two thoughts don't jive. Um, and, you know, not to get political, I just, I, I'm amazed with how people hold on to these narratives that don't even serve them. You're like, it's not even trickling down to you. Like, why are you liking this idea? So? You're not. You're you're not even benefiting from this theory that doesn't even exist. That part you believe in it. <laughs> that part, and but the it's all right. We're going to be all over the place because the other thing that hits me on this whole conversation is I have been conditioned. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea is that people are holding on to beliefs. One, that are not their own. They've adopted them from others. 
without really probing back to being the curious learner to explore why they've adopted it. And is it working for them or not working for them in terms of their life? Most folks haven't done that exploratory work uh, in terms of asking the question, the question behind the question. A friend of mine, uh, who's one of my walking buddies, we walk once a week on the lakefront here in Chicago, and we go real deep on stuff. He was mentioned there's this book called The Question Behind the Question, and I forget the guy who wrote it, but it's so, like, duh. Like, are we asking ourselves the question behind the questions or the question behind our beliefs? Why are we holding on to things that are not really serving us, us as individuals, and then us as the collective? I love that because it's like, that that conditioning it's almost the way i experience and see it it's like a, such a thick layer of energy of a false belief system that people are so subscribed into mm-hmm. and it's like it's the collective belief that's reaffirming it to the people who are believing it it's like reaffirming back and forth mm-hmm. and like if you don't start asking the questions and you start don't start unraveling or breaking down from that conditioning Mm-hmm. You're wrapped up in something completely false. Which is which is interesting because like the way that you're saying that, Natalie, I'm I'm seeing it as like a mirroring thing. And for me, like the theme that I think connects you to is you run your practice based off of like mirroring people. And Chris describes his organization. He's like, I'm just a mirror. We're just a mirror. How do you how do you both begin to even hold that mirror up to an individual or society? Oh, Chris, I want you to deep dive into being the mirror in this organization. I can't wait for you to crack yeah. into it because I do it on an individual. So let I want you to mm-hmm. crack in. Yeah. You know, Alex, to answer your question, how do I do that work? I have to do that work on myself first. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I'm going to be responsible or accountable for holding the mirror for a client or an organization that we're working with, if I and my team aren't doing that work, it's going to be really hard for us not to impose our our perceptions and uh, and biases onto their mirror. And that's that's the real work right there. And I, I tell my myself and my team is that when we're doing mirror work, we're like journalists, not opinion talk show hosts, journalists. What what are the facts based on this continuum or construct of measurement, right? So based on this frame, because you got to qualify it, because even the frame that we're using has a bias to it, but we try to reduce the bias of that so that when we're speaking back to the client or the leaders within that organization of being that mirror, first, you know, here's the disclaimer, (laughs) but then within this context, this container, Here's the journalistic truth as we know it, without our opinion, because anything, a positive or an opportunity to improve, the solution around that is inside the organization. It's not with me. And so part of what we do is take a a journalistic approach on being the mirror, but then take a Montessori approach to helping and supporting and interpreting leaders through discovering their own solutions to that which they see in the mirror. I love that. So that's that's the work. And to give our audience just a little bit more context on your work, can you describe the company that that we're speaking of? 
Uh, sure. Alex and I know, but I want to get our yeah. audience to like, what are they talking about? <laughs> what are they talking about? Well, I'm, I'm fortunate to be the team captain, as I call myself, for a company called Talmetrics, mm-hmm. and that's talent and metrics. And we're an employee feedback, insights, and research organization where we go into organizations to help them listen to the voice of the employees around different topics. It could be on employee engagement, employee experience, culture, climate, change or transformation. And so we're that listening partner that then captures all of that data, organizes it back to be able to tell a story back to the client. Hey, where are your opportunities here? Where are your issues? Where are your risks? And then in that Montessorian approach of guiding them and coaching them through how to address and solve for, that's the other part that we do. So uh, I like that's that mirror work, right? And I like that because you're not taking a here's my program template and putting the organization into what you offer. You're working <clears throat> with their uniqueness. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, there's a lot of similarities in organizations and individuals, but back to the holy trinity, as I always call it, there's always that uniqueness. And so we like to say that we measure what matters for you, because if we're measuring it for you, Natalie, it could be different than what Alex's focus and needs are. And so that's how we kind of make sure that we're configuring and designing what we're measuring based on who you are, what you are, and who you want to be. All right. So that's like that, that whole journey and process. And, and Chris's team, the, the members that I've met so far, Natalie, it's kind of like Black Panther-esque. Like, and, and, and they're all like queens in their own right, but they're like the Dor- Dorja Milaje protecting the Black Panther. Like they're all these like badass women doing super cool stuff that you're like, wait, what? And I can't even imagine like the creative workspace that they're all in energetically. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's an amazing team of um, and Alex, you met a lot of the ladies on the team. There are also some guys on the team. We keep them away from you, um, oh, rightfully yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. Keep the women away from Alex. <laughs> no, no, the women he knows. Oh, the guy, keep the guys away. Guys away. Yeah, because he's too much man. He's too much man. He's just too much man. My my restraining order knows no bounds. I mean, it <laughs> no genders, I should say. But yeah, it's a it's an amazing team. And um, one of the things I I appreciate uh, about the team is everybody's on their own unique journey of dealing with both how to amplify their light and how to bring light to their shadows. So. Um, it's an interesting uh, petri dish of a collective because one of the things, you know, I spent 20 plus years in corporate America running HR for a couple of organizations that, you know, in HR and running HR for a couple of organizations people may know. And one of the things that was so important to me was creating an environment that fostered self-directedness, right? So you as an individual self-direct, but also understand how that supports the collective and creating that environment where uh, less legislation of things would be required, less of, you know, forcing what I call conformity (laughs) um, into the organization. But um, Alex, you'll know this um, from our our fellow uh, mentor, uh, Kurt, how do we get unity without conformity? Conformity. Unity Mm -hmm. over conformity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Can you walk us through, and and I love this because 
I'm not sure there's many organizations working. Like, I feel like you guys are working with the energy and the, more of the spiritual side of, of reorganizing and helping these companies express with the, the true uniqueness of what they are, right, and, mm -hmm. and connecting it. So, and maybe that's my perception of the company, but can you dive into a little bit of shadow work within an organization? I'm fascinated oh. by this because I'm like, I love shadow work. I, I do this with my clients. I do this with myself. But how do you apply this on a corporate level? Yeah. Well, and I don't have the empirical evidence, but just kind of from my experience of working in the space, so much of work inside of organizations is based off of what I call positive psychology, mm -hmm. which is great and there's needed in that movement of, you know, hey, let's find the good in everything. Great. I'm, I'm with that 100%. And I'm also with understanding the underbelly of an organization. What are those things that we don't want to talk about? What are those things that we all know feel or sense um, are in the environment or in the climate that makes this just a little harder than it needs to be or a little bit more fear. And it's the things that are in that underbelly, Natalie, oh. a.k.a. shadow, that create, when you start to hear the current buzzwords, psychological safety, trust, uh, efficacy, all of those things start to, those things are influenced by the things that are beneath the water level, right, uh, that you can't see. And so part of our job in measurement and assessment around organizational culture or climate is, yes, let's measure those light factors, but also let's assess where there are shadow factors or what I call those sub-optimized uh, experiences, processes, policies, leaders, whatever it is, that if we could put light on it would help expand the impact of the organization achieving its purpose, right? And so if you're only focused on your right arm, well, let's just call this your positive stuff, then what are you going to do with the left arm? It's going to get atrophied and it's going to get weak after a while. And so you need both arms. Yeah. <laughs> You know, in particular, if you want to drive the car safely. <laughs> and I love that because I think, like, would you would you say that, like, there's some resistance with that within the organization? I can only imagine how many people are like, well, I don't want to go there. <laughs> no, there's a ton of resistance. Yeah. And uh, back to, because so many individuals haven't started to go deep on their own me-search research, um, therefore, it makes it harder to look at the collective and do that work. And then because somebody's got to take accountability for driving the change or transformation. Mm -hmm. And you know, and I know, when you take accountability from trying to move something from this to that, and to the degree it's successful or not, you know, it could be off of your head or you're being championed as the greatest hero or heroine an organization has had. So there's a lot of risk for people. Um, to take on this charge inside of organizations. I'm reminded of a documentary I saw some years ago. No, no, I take it back. It wasn't a documentary. It was Fareed Zakari on CNN um, Global Perspective, Sunday morning, one of my favorite people to watch. And he was talking about, you know, back in the 20s and 30s and the early part of our industrialization, 
we had a lot of family-run businesses, the Rockefellers, the Vanderbilts, the railroad folks, uh, the Fords. I worked for Ford, uh, for Ford Motor Company. All of those, they were in the businesses, shaping the businesses and contributing back to the community. So they had an invested interest. The leaders today don't have that same accountability and or ownership in some of the major corporations, not all, but, you know. And so where is that real accountability? It used to be based on meritocracy. It used to be, as they say. <laughs> I can wax on and wax off about that. Mm-hmm. But there's a fear. If you're a CEO of a major Fortune 100 company, your primary job you're driving to is those quarterly numbers that get posted up to drive the stock. And if you're not, you're only going to take so much risk mm-hmm. to really move the organization from to, because if you go too far, the risk factor becomes too, too wide for you to really be able to absorb. But if you're doing your work and you're grounded, right, in your consciousness and in your spirit and in your body, you're more equipped to do that. But there's fear to go to go get yourself ready to do that kind of work because you don't know what the reward is. I love the way that you broke that down. Yeah, thank you. And and the question I have for you, Chris, I'm going to steal it. This was supposed to be Natalie's question is like, what, what happened in your life from spirit that changed the way in which you view reality where you're like, Oh, there's something else here. Like whether it made you like a student instantly, kind of like that moment in the matrix where he's like, there's got to be, there's got to be, I'm, wait, I'm just waiting for this great story. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, it actually was my last tour of duty inside of a large uh, organization. I was the corporate head of HR, had, you know, responsibility for, uh, 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 I think it was about 2,500 people globally around the world, about a $2.5 billion business at the time in the media space. And... Um, I got to the C-suite before I turned 40, so I was super, my ego was supercharged. Like, you couldn't tell me shit. <laughs> and because my whole career, I was gunning to get to the top job because I thought my perception was I get to the top chair in an organization running HR, I would have the ability to bring my full self to work. Like, you would actually be able to be the real Chris. Right. The and real Chris can show up, finally. And to the contrary, it was not 100% opposite of that, but about 60% opposite of what I thought. Mm. And I'm sitting there, I'm looking at my bank account grow, I'm living life, traveling the world, all of that stuff, collecting, collecting stuff. And literally one day I was on a plane coming back from um, India, a 13-hour flight or something. And, you know, if you're on one of those long flights, you get bored. (laughs) Boredom can't seep in. And I literally just went into this meditative space and I asked myself, am I living my best life? Is this what, is this all there is? If so, there's gotta be more because this is empty as shit. Wow. Whoa. And shortly after that, maybe about uh, eight or nine months later, I transitioned out. And then I took a year, almost a year off to get regrounded in myself because I didn't realize how much of myself I had reduced myself to, in order to be there. Yeah, the, re, the I was like a bouillon cube of nothingness. <laughs> I hope you don't use bouillon cubes anymore, Chris. <laughs> you know damn Maybe well I, I, I trained you better than that. Maybe I do occasionally. I love that story because it's 
I can almost visualize it as the constructs of this organization and you're just squeezing your way through all these like boxes and trying to get into this rectangle and over here and and there's no expansion for you like no way that, for you that right there and so Natalie you just reminded me of something um, when I first started seeing Kurt our, uh, our mentor back in 2014. It's three name drop an episode, then we're done after that. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> um, start paying us royalties or something. I don't know. I don't know. This is well, I don't, I don't want it to blow them up, and then, like, then we can't even get in to see them anymore. <laughs> well, one of, one of the things I remember in a session with Kurt, I had with him, and I said, and this is what I was just, I had just transitioned out of corporate America, and I was starting this business, and I was starting in this business, and I said, Kurt, I said, you know, I said, there's so many boxes that I had to unpack and get out of and blow up. I said, I got a, I got a t-shirt that I want to come up with, it's called FTB, and FTB is fuck the box. Fuck the box is right. I love that. I will I will promote that t-shirt. If you make it, I'm gonna wear it all the time. Fuck the box. I like it, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing I was so I was so committed to this. I called my my business attorney. I said, can I patent that? <laughs> or trademark it or something. But that's the thing, you know. Even as our from a developmental stages, we're growing up. People start asking us at five years old, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" What five year old really knows? I don't know Eighteen year old. I did, yeah, I didn't know anything. I even and I have I have a similar story, Chris. When I was I was in corporate, I worked for L'Oreal for uh, on, on the west coast of Canada in business development and. You know, it's a very large um, corporation. I was very like, oh, my God, this is really, my ego was just, like, lit. My ego was like, this is so glamorous. Like, it's got a, like, mm-hmm. fashion week. And, you know, the trajectory for me was, was this. And I, I kept seeing all the, all the people who were in the position of where I was going to go next. And they're working these ridiculous hours. And, and I just kept having this feeling in my gut. I'm like, if I go there, I'm going to be trapped. I'm going to be trapped in corporate, and I'm not going to play in my gifts. And I really had to get clear with myself before I left. And I was like, I want to help people. Like, I was obsessed with, like, holistic health and mm-hmm. just starting to crack into all of the, the stuff that I, that I do now. But it was, it was really hard. And, and I will say, getting out of that position. And then I had to ask myself, who am I? Because I was so wrapped up in the identity of the brand that I was, you know, a part of. And it is, it's wild how much unpacking and unraveling of these constructs that you're tied into. Mm -hmm. It's like shellacking something like just layer after layer after layer after layer. It's, it's icky. It's icky. Yeah, it's, and it's not, it's work and commitment that's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> no. uh, because I admire about you, Chris, is like every time I talk to you, like I'm, I am aware you're doing the work. You know, you're, 
you're constantly questioning yourself, you're constantly taking in new information, and you're also saying like, okay, does, does that influence me at all? Or like, you're objective witnessing in so many dimensions of your life, but also like you're, you're doing the work and you're not just letting the outside influence it, you know, and you're, you're truly guided to bring people back to themselves. Well, Alex, I'm glad you said it that way, because what the, the underlining thing for me there is around being an intentional creator. Right. So if you think about one of our primary purposes for choosing to come to this realm and to this dimension was to create. For me, it's all about how do I intentionally and consciously create versus being whipsawed by the matrix or the box or whatever, you know, constraint <laughs> that is being being presented or uh, forced upon us. Right. That is, God forbid I use this word because it's so bastardized now. That's the level of consciousness, a.k.a. what some people used to say woke, but we can't say woke anymore because it's a bad word. But, yes, staying aware is work. Hard work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you think about how leadership in today, because this is, I know this is one of the topics that you're really amped about, leadership and and what does that look like today and what is it how does that matter it within an organization as you're kind of navigating all this i I love that you're doing shadow work within the organization i'm like blown away by that you know in, in terms of leadership today i think um the paradigms of the what i call the industrial age of defining leadership and what that looks like very structured very rigid very boxy (laughs) extremely extremely masculine and i saw that when i worked at ford which was organized oh i'm a level eight and you're a level 12 and at a level 12 you get two company cars and you know all of these <laughs> these things that come with it, right? I, I I think leaders, the paradigm in which and how we support, develop, and coach leaders today has to be more holistic, not just around process, but around uh, what I call the vibe or the energy of how things get done and how we decide and determine how to organize ourselves as a collective to get things done. And that it's not always kind of this hierarchical approach. It might be more a horizontal approach, kind of like I open my, you know, we do these um, whiteboard sessions with the team, and I'm like, hey, there are no stripes in the room. We're all contributing. And just because I sit in the role of CEO, my ideas are no better than your ideas or worse than your ideas. So we will bring them all together, but it's not like uh, taking on full ownership for everything, because I think that's what leaders were taught years ago, that you own everything, and that's not sustainable, and nor is it fair for a leader to hold that and for team members to have that expectation of a leader. Wow. I love that. Yeah, because the leader is dealing with the same shit that the team members are dealing with. But the content and context of that experience of the leader is different than that of the team member. And uh, I recently went through this program. I took a couple of my team members through. It's called the Four Rooms of Change. And one of the visualizations is that there's this high rise. And 
at any given day, I could be on the 20th floor or in the basement or on the first floor. And so as a leader, people have to understand you're running up and down these floors all day, every day. And uh, the perspective of the content and context of who you are in, on any of those floors is shifting. And, and so I just think we need a broader perspective of what leadership is. I think it needs to be more holistic and be more humanized than it is today. I think the expectations um, that are put on leaders far exceeds what I actually think most of them are able to do. Mm. Implementing like a different frame of how leadership happens within a company, what are some of the, the results that you've seen from redefining what, like having less expectations on a leader, like maybe not looking at, again, like that hierarchy, but looking mm-hmm. at each company, do they all have their own individuated way of organizing themselves? Well, I, you know, Natalie, to that point, I think there's always that individuation of, you know, kind of, hey, let me put my own special stank on this or approach yeah. to it. So I think that's always going to exist because of our uniqueness. Mm-hmm. And also the content and context of our experience, right? I think that's always going to have some influence on it. But I think I've seen some of the most interesting, fascinating, transformational work is when uh, organizations shift the paradigm around um, coaching, developing, and um, supporting leaders from doing leadership to being leaders. And getting back to that inside out versus outside in, uh, because the outside in, you're bringing in all of these these values, these boxes that may or may not be germane to you, but if you go inside out, then it's just easier for one, the individual to take personal accountability for how they show up versus saying, oh, I only did that because they told me to do it. Or right. the, the, the rules of XYZ say I have to follow this. And there's a little bit of that necessary, so let me not poo-poo on all of that, but too many people default to the reason why I can't show up to be the leader that I need to be is because they're telling me this is what I have to do and that, that, con- that, that conflict between the two. And would you say that, like, I, I love that you said the being because now we're, we're looking at, you know, in the most broad-stroked way, the masculine and the feminine, but bringing in mm-hmm. a little bit more of that feminine energy into leadership and organizations, has that dramatically shifted and changed? I think that's part of the struggle right now is because the masculine energy for leadership has been so ingrained that the introduction, uh, introducing more feminine or divine feminine energy into the, into that construct is where we're, we're seeing some of the consternation or the dissonance in the, in the model. Right. The thing that's really interesting, Alex, I think I had this conversation with you is oftentimes the, the male energy gets characterized as toxic. Yep. Yeah. Which is unfair. Totally unfair. We need good, healthy masculinity. Absolutely. Right. You've done a lot of fucked up shit. Yeah. And I got yes, 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 it. Yes, it. Yes, it. And so as we're introducing more um, feminine energy into this construct of called leadership, right, and community, the one thing I've, I try to instill in the conversation is 
is this isn't a course correction. This is creating a new way. Mm. Yeah. And I hear sometimes, oh, we need to break down toxic masculinity and da-da-da-da. I said, you can't, everything that exists has the right to exist. And I know that's hard to accept for a lot of things. Trust me, I know. And we can't exclude anything. And if we are talking about if it's gender identity and everything from being super male to being super female and everything in between with non-binary, everything is on a continuum. And so how much of everything do we need to create a container that allows all of us to show up and be? So there's going to be some aspects you're going to need a little toxic masculinity. You're going to need some divine masculine, some divine feminine, and even some toxic femininity, because I've seen it. Yeah. The darkness. Woo! There. I have, it's loud. I have, I, hey, I grew up with four older sisters. Trust me, I've seen it. Yeah, it's like a woman clapping in a woman's face. Is that toxic femininity? You know what we're talking about, Natalie? No. Chris, I'll let you elucidate. it. No, I don't know. What are you oh. talking about? Like certain cultures, people people like get in. Women get in somebody's face and they they clap their point at somebody. Like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah. And Chappelle's got a great bit about it, but oh, okay. <laughs> now now I'm putting three and three together. I got it. <laughs> yeah. So back to back to like we can't exclude anything. So the question is, we've got to get better. And how, and this is the problem that I have sometimes in this conversation around inclusiveness, because even those folks who are out there talking about inclusion are trying to exclude stuff. A hundred percent. And they're making money on it. God, Jesus. I wish I, I didn't have that kind of, I mean, I, you know, there are moments I'm like, what? How in the world are you going to say, oh, we want these people in, but we don't want these people in? Yeah. It can feel like, as as it is, it's creating more separateness, and and I think, like you said before, this the real intention of inclusion is to mm-hmm. recognize that we have way more connectedness and and similarities than differences, and focusing on those differences is really it can it can just drive so much, so many things to be apart. Well, and, and, you know, Natalie, to that point, if we talk about us as humans, each one of us is trying to fully individuate. And so in our individuation, we're constantly adding further refinement to who we are. Mm-hmm. I am this, 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 that, 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 that. And each one of those breaks down into some segment of identity. And so after a while, it's just like, are you human or you're a tree? I mean, you know, I'm like, at yeah, some point. You know, and I get it on one hand of us is trying to express, right? And Alex, you know my guy, Matthias. Um, he loves Matthias to stuff now as well. Oh, I love Matthias. Oh, do you? I love oh. him. I could listen to him for days. I can just eat up all of his content. He's wonderful. Man, you know, I watch, he's on Gaia a lot. And yeah. I used to just like, I get caught like binge watching. Yeah, same. I love him. <laughs> Been watching, binge watching him, and he has this whole framework called uh, I'm going to mess it up. Called this fifth dimensional framework, where there are four points in the fourth dimension. In order to see the fourth dimension, you kind of got to be at the fifth dimension. And he talks about uh, expression, experimentation, 
God, Jesus, there's four points. Embodiment? Transcendence. The third point I am forgetting, but there's this four-point framework. When he's talking about the expression, that's that uniqueness that we're all trying to express. Right. But then we've got to take that uniqueness and experiment with it, and that's called life. Yeah. Then out of life, we get these lessons, right? And that's the third piece. Of, oh, integration. I think it's called integration that we start to integrate to help shape our perspective and our consciousness, mm -hmm. and then we're able to move into transcendence and expansion. And so it is in that expression piece where I'm, I'm here for everybody to express themselves uniquely as they want to. However, as we start to move into experiment, that's when those boxes start to show up. Yeah. And how well and equipped are we to identify a box, break down a box, and not even create a box for ourselves. But anyway, I can wax on and wax off. Yeah. I would, it's a it's a charged very charged topic, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I, I mm -hmm. feel you on that. It's um, as as we individuate, I think the more anchored we become into self, we just become so much so much better able to mirror the similarities between ourselves. That is where I think humanity is going. I'm hopeful for that because it is this. The seeing each other as separate is it's it's not working. No, it's no. not working at all, and we have to move away. It's it's layered like in so many ways, so many ways. Mm -hmm. Well, and I love what you said earlier, Chris, about like if, if the individual hasn't done the me search and the research, they're not aware of what they're doing. You know, they're not taking accountability in it, and then they can't collectively see the bigger picture of how they feed into that scale as well, too. And then like what we're all doing, you know, what I see with you, you two and I know within myself is we're doing the work and it's messy as shit, you know, especially being a parent. And some of the part of being a parent isn't like, it's great. It's wonderful. It's like, yeah, really fuck that one up. But he's going to see me apologize and say that I'm sorry and know that stuff gets messy. Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes describe my life as a beautiful mess, but it's also it is what I wake up for every day. <laughs> Because that's how I learn. I mean, you know, um, is figuring out the mess of what, because there's meaning in the mess of why, one, why is it there? And I think a lot of people are not even curious enough to even ask, why is this mess in my life? Yeah, and they want to make it go away. Mm -mm, there's magic right, right there in that messiness. Well, and that's why, you know, when you hear all of these silver bullet solutions, Oh, drink this mud water and you'll lose 50 pounds. I have pounds. mud water. <laughs> I do have mud water. I do like it, but I went back to coffee. Sorry, mud water. We all fall yeah. into this stuff, guys. I got a nice, <laughs> I got a nice bath. I'm ready to break in soon. Well, it's it, it, it's the the hacking. I'm gonna hack my way through life. I'm gonna huh. um, it's it's I'm gonna hack. I'm gonna bypass. I'm gonna fix. I'm gonna put it over there so I don't have to look at it. What if we what if we start terming bioacceptance? Oh, I love it. Bioacceptance. As opposed to biohacking, right? I know. Hmm. That's a I that's a whole, I shouldn't say this on a podcast. This is a whole multi-million dollar idea we can be branding. Oh my gosh. Bioacceptance. <laughs> I'm submitting a trademark now. Trademark that <laughs> <it now. laughs> Ryan Green, I don't do that, Alex. That's a different department. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Natalie, you said something there about this hacking thing, right? You, if you watch TV, it's about hacks. 
It's not about getting to the core. Never. It's never. Every, everything that we see in this reality, there's a solution that's outside of you. There's a, a framework or a, a template that's outside of you that you can fit into that's going to fix you because there's something deeply wrong with you that you're experiencing mm -hmm. any discomfort at all. So this over here is going to fix you. And that is like literally the whole point of this podcast is to drive people back to the home to themselves that you're not broken. The answers are, are not always outside of you. Yes, there's guidance. Yes, there's help. But you're magic inside of you. You're, you're perfect. You're perfectly imperfect. And this is where we need to go on the, in the, the journey inwards versus like, I'm going to grab onto that identity and I'm going to grab onto that because that's going to make me whole. Mm -hmm. mm. Mm. Sorry, I went a little ranty there, but. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love, I love witnessing both of you and your brilliance. It's powerful and beautiful. Hey, no, this is, uh, this is delightful. Um, I don't get a chance to go. Uh, as broad and deep and kind of all over the board with folks on these topics. So I really appreciate the opportunity to connect. Um, there's so much more. And I so appreciate the two of you uh, having this podcast and holding these conversations because it, it reminds me as I'm moving through and making decisions about what to explore, experiment with, being, you know, making sure it resonates with me mm -hmm. so that it's got some truth for me in it. Versus, again, hacking my way through something because somebody else outside of me told me that this was going to be my silver bullet, yeah. you know, um, helping debunk uh, the, the charlatan <laughs> stuff that's out there in the field these days. So, yeah. Well, that would, that would bring us to our next question for you, Chris. You want to ask it, Natalie? I think you want to. All right, I do. Get in there. What is, what is your... You know, the podcast about cutting the bullshit. What's what's your biggest like quip with the douchebaggery in the spiritual game? Like, what do you? Where do you see this? The it's an industry now, right? But where do you where do you see it kind of going astray? I literally was having this conversation the other day. Synchronicity. I said, I, I know. So it is not short on me that cannabis is legalized in several states which therefore means it can be, quote unquote, controlled more with these limited number of people to control, I mean, grow it, similar to our food system. So there's going to be shit that's going to get put in additive and stuff removed from it that's not going to have the same organic, natural intent. And so it's going to be, uh, it's going to, it's, it's not, I, I feel it's going to lose some of its efficacy Mm. in terms of helping people, you know, move through and discover and break boxes and all of these other things. I see that and feel that, too, as psychedelics are coming online, right? Uh, you know, in certain states, you can go see your psychiatrist or license uh, a medical person and get, what is it, ketamine treatments or something, I think it's called? I mean, ketamine, MDMA. What, what have you? Yeah. Like now. And yeah, and again, I just know how, you know, I've seen it too many times because the Cheerios I eat today are not the Cheerios I had when I was a kid. And I just see it becoming this thing and um, it's, yeah, control. I'm sorry. No, 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 it's, 
It's interesting because, um, I mean, up here in Canada, where it's it's just on the brink of a, about it's about to be legalized. Our uh, weed is, but uh, psilocybin is just about to be. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be watered down. Yeah, and so I laugh. I'm like, I got to find my farm to table people. <laughs> where can I get my organic? <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, maybe uh, start a spiritual co-op farm. That part, that part. Grow our own humans. <laughs> did you see that? Did you see that Klingon? Did you see that Klingon? <laughs> I can do that with my forehead. If, you, if you're listening to this on Spotify, you can't see Chris's face. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to it, we haven't figured out how to do the video component of it yet. So, <laughs> um, so Chris, I have, a, I have a question for you. In um, mm-hmm. again, the foundation of this podcast is you know bringing people back to themselves. And how would you say that in your work you bring yourself bring people back to themselves? Hmm. Oftentimes, the way that we I do that, we do that, is at the on-site. This is you, not me. We didn't take this. This is this, We didn't take this survey. We didn't do this uh, listening session. This is you, you and the collective you, um, unless we're doing some one-on-one leader work. And, and, and part of that is grounding them in the is. This is what is. Uh, now, if the is of this moment and this data that we're putting in front of you doesn't represent who you want to be, you, as the leaders, have the opportunity to choose differently of how you want to get to where you want to go. And I think the moment that we put that back in front of them, that, hey, you own this, you can, you, you can take action on it or not, but this is you, not us. And your check is going to clear one way or the other. one way or the other and i mean literally and being resolute in that kind of that kind of perspective around the work is like look this is your work you paid for it we're bringing this back to you for you to do something with is how we how we do it and there's nothing i shouldn't say much more to it than that but that's literally how simple we approach it because to try to get into the psyche and all of it. It's just too much for a lot of these leaders to uh, take on. Because, mm-hmm. you know, one of my things is I think most leaders have the least amount of psychological safety. They have less psychological safety than their employees. I would agree. I never actually thought about that, but now thinking about it, absolutely. <laughs> and if our audience is wondering who is this Chris guy and where, where do we find him? Where can we find you? Where, what's the name of your company, your website, all that yeah. stuff? Coming out. <laughs> Talmetric, E-A-L-M-E-T-R-I-X.com is how you can find us on the web. Um, we are virtually based everywhere now. Um, I happen to reside between Chicago and Cincinnati. Today I'm in Cincinnati. I mean Chicago. Can't keep it up. Can't remember where I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the, the easiest way to find it. I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram, and uh, don't look for me on Facebook because I don't check Facebook often. Uh, but um, uh, LinkedIn and Instagram, I'm on there more often. So if you want to reach out to me, you can reach me there as well. 
Awesome. Perfect. And wow. final, final question for you, Chris. Yeah. You, you assign the homework that we're going to do that hopefully other people will do. So five minutes a day for, you know, one to two weeks that we're doing this homework, what would you think would make a, a impactful practice for us or any person listening that if, if you did it, if you hadn't recommended to anybody getting into the spiritual stuff, like you did five minutes a day of this, your life would be hmm. um, hacking. Hacking. <laughs> we're not into hacks. It just it could be like self-inquiry, like anything like that. Yeah, I, I'll tell you my tried and true favorite is uh, a morning ritual around grounding yourself through meditation. Perfect. Check in, check in with yourself before you start your day. Articulate to um, yourself and to the universe what kind of day you want to have. Because if you don't do it, that means you're unconsciously creating your day. And then you wonder why your day went freaking haywire on the back end because you weren't intentional about how you wanted it to be. And you get pulled into everybody else's ideas, Drama. thoughts, dramas, constructs, whatever it is, programs. Mm-hmm. So I love that. That's a, that's a really good practice. Awesome. That. I can't wait to do it. I should um, be. <laughs> What's that mean? Lapis. The lapis stone. Oh. oh, it's a lapis stone. Do you always carry that? I either have it with me or I have it on my bracelet, so it's usually somewhere nearby. The, the other lap- Sorry, Chris is a gem guy. Go into your gem. Yeah, so the other thing about the lapis, it represents blue, which is the color for the fifth chakra of voice, throat, throat communication. I'm going to get me some lapis. I have, a, I have a lot of different crystals and gems, but I don't have lapis. Mm-hmm. Mm. Quick, quick story. The other week we're in Chicago, and we go to see Uncle Chris. So Jackson goes to Chris's place, and Chris has got all these stones out. And he's got, like, he goes, Jackson, what, what piece do you want? And Jackson grabs the labradorite, and in Jackson's hand, like like a light was shining through it, it goes, like, neon blue. And Biddy, Chris, and I all look wow. at that. What? And it's just, like, it's just glowing. Like, it was activated cool. just for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. Uh, that was super cool. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. And this podcast was super cool. We love having you on, Chris. Yeah. We're, we're going to... I mean, there's so, so much that we dove into, and I'm so grateful. We're both so grateful for having you on and your wisdom. I'm sure your wisdom is going to permeate our audience, and they're going to love all the tidbits, everything that we've talked about. It's been such a great conversation. No, this was great, and thank you for inviting me and being flexible on the recording and everything. And, Alex, interestingly enough, my 3.30 call is with our mutual friend who – shamed you on your carbs <laughs> great oh the, right back at you alex no tell, tell them they got names <laughs> i can't wait oh my god oh my god oh, that's amazing well I, I i hope you guys i hope you two are connected more now too like i'm i'm excited for oh. you to hang out no natalie you you are um what's the word i want to say it's um it's beyond brilliant it's um thank you. Yeah, I had to work. But anyway, brilliant plus. Oh, <laughs> I know I, it was just easy, it was easy to dance with you. And this crazy one in here, you're in the middle of my screen, Alex. This one here. I'm that guy. <laughs> I love you. I love you, Chris. Thank you for love you too. Oh, so much love. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today, Chris. And you got it. We will see you next time on the Huffing Spirit Podcast. 
You got it. All righty. Be well. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Huffing Spirit Podcast. Remember, you are your own teacher. Take what resonates and leave the rest. For more info, follow us on Instagram at Huffing Spirit Podcast and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes. Bye for now.